Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, it's another day. We're a couple days away from the Baylor game. But before we start talking about recruiting or football or anything, I want to bring up this comment from Jeff. He says, congrats on 22,000 subscribers, wow. and we appreciate it, Jeff. But more than anything, we appreciate all of you guys out there yeah. for subscribing, for being here every day with us seven uh, days a week. Until I know where all 22,000 people are from in the comments over time. <laughs> you know, I need to know where everybody's from. And Britt Rasco, I'll take the demerits on that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I love the one that came in from Cape Town, South Africa last night, Jerry. That was awesome. That's unbelievable. Hey, Carlos, I was in Tampa yesterday, man. The traffic in Tampa these days is brutal. <laughs> I mean, brutal. In hey, Tampa. Jerry, uh, big news uh, yesterday, yeah. in my opinion. You'd been mentioning Weston Davis yeah. uh, for almost, uh, I mean, look, it's been going back two or three months where you said, Texas wasn't giving up on that. They, they're still recruiting him. Uh, it comes out yesterday that uh, you've reported that he has an official visit now scheduled to the University of Texas for the Kansas game. that September 30th weekend that a couple other recruits are uh, expected in on as well. Potentially Solomon Williams, uh, the defensive end out of Tampa, who you just saw yesterday as well. Tell us a little bit about Weston Davis. Obviously, he's committed uh, to Texas A&M as well. Yeah, yeah, Weston Davis, ranked top 100 in the country. Uh, you know, he was a basketball guy. Most kids are in Beaumont that go to United. He's really starting to get serious about football. His best football is way out in front of him now. I mean, he's one of those guys that will need a little time, but he is blessed with such great feet. He's got the basketball feet, the bend, the knee bend, the reactive and body quickness. He's got all the goods. It's just going to take him time to get stronger and really learn the position, uh, learn the game as he continues to do that. But, you know, he's 6'5 and a half, 280, 285 now. Um, I'm actually going to roll through back on my way back to Texas and see him early next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a kid who's uh, getting more serious about football. Interesting thing is his offensive coordinator is Albert Hardy, former Texas Longhorn, obviously really good friend of Vince Young, played on the national championship team, played at Galena Park. That's the OC at Beaumont United. Um, and, look, Texas hasn't backed off Ty Anthony Smith either down there in Jasper. So, um, those two guys committed to Texas A&M or, or main Texas targets. But Brandon Baker, obviously, is the number one uh, number one uh, target on the board at right tackle. Weston Davis is seen as a left tackle. They're not the same position. They're totally different guys. Um, DeAndre Carter, Bobby, as well, is expected to be in for his official visit uh, September 30th. That's the uh, offensive guard committed to Auburn for modern day. Uh, then I talked to Solomon Williams. Everybody can fire those questions. Um, they can fire those questions, but I, I was at Carrollwood Day yesterday, talked to Solomon Williams. I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets back September 30th for the Kansas game. Texas wants him back when his mom can make that trip, and that that RPM obviously has been to Alabama more. You know what's interesting yesterday, part of the uh, uh, conversation with uh, Keith Niebuhr and myself were there talking with Solomon Williams, and Carroll Day has a number of guys committed to Clemson, committed to Florida. I mean, they got some young linebackers that are going to be very good, by the way. Um, you know, is pharmacy – the pharmacy school is big. And the reason I mention that is you see North Carolina there and you see Texas, and that's two of the top 11 pharmaceutical schools uh, in the country. And I thought that was interesting, and that's why Solomon really liked North Carolina early on um, is that North Carolina is a top five pharmacy college in the country. Texas checks in at 11 on one of the things I looked at, but that's considerably higher than anybody else he's considering right now. Out of Alabama, out of Oregon, out of Texas A&M. Uh, Clemson's on the peripheral, but that, that they're not, that's not happening. Um, so that pharmacy school and that major is a big deal with Solomon, along with player development. I think it's got Texas in a pretty good spot. Interesting. Uh, North Carolina, really the only non-SEC school in yeah. there. Uh, and so that could be a, a situation that's interesting to, to monitor as well. Uh, Longhorns favored by 15 over Baylor. Kickoff at 6 p.m. or 630. Uh, game televised and uh, wait, uh, game televised on ABC. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, is going to have a press conference today at 11 o'clock, around 11, 11.15 after he gets off the practice field this morning. Uh, we expect uh, him to say that running back Cedric Baxter and Mo Blackwell, linebacker, 
uh, are both ready to go against Baylor, while Cole Hudson and Chris Ross, the offensive lineman and defensive end, respectively, uh, will remain out uh, for at least a, a month or so for those two. Uh, Longhorns uh, head into this game, Jerry and Blake, uh, big favorites. Uh, but as I wrote this morning on Inside Texas, anything goes. Uh, this is, I think, the 114th meeting of these two teams or 113th meeting. Anything goes when you go on the road at night in uh, in uh, Waco. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. No doubt yeah, I mean, look, that line's moving up in, for Texas, though, right? I mean, that's that's reality. It started about 14. It's up to 15 now. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, I, I, I the more I've thought about this game, and when you can't sleep, you think about stupid things, right? As um, <laughs> um, as you know, I, I Baylor, I think is going to give Texas their best shot. It's in Waco, and look, I just know listening to Dave Randa's press conference, every other question about was about the last meeting with Texas. Did the players understand the magnitude? Dave Aranda says all the Baylor's people have said, if you can only win one game this year, make it this one. Well, you know, so you know how big of a game it is, whether the stadium's loud or not, uh, because it's almost basketball season there in Waco. But uh, let's see Baylor offensively. Let's see if they can actually string together scoring drives against Texas. I, I look, I agree with that, Jerry. And I think that this is a big test for Sawyer Robertson, uh, the uh, uh, Baylor quarterback who has not looked great thus far, but you and I, and and I think he has the tools. Um, and so he's kind of waiting for his breakout game. Not unlike, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's as, as uh, he's uh, a Quinn Ewers type, but he's waiting for his breakout game. He's 45% on the year. Uh, definitely not good enough. Uh, Jerry, I think it's interesting that you said that when you lie awake at night, you think about stupid things. <laughs> I think I raised my hand like internally. When you said that. I do the same thing. Uh, a lot of it about uh, Texas football and recruiting. Uh, Longhorns at 17 commitments right now. Brandon Baker announces on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, kind of handicap that race right now for Texas fans. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, let's talk about if Brandon Baker picks Texas, why I think that is. Christian Jones is graduating at right tackle, and Brandon Baker does play right tackle. He's a midterm graduate. Um, Kyle Flood's resume for offensive line development, I think, stands out to Baker and his family. Steve Sarkeesian, decade-plus of uh, relationships at Modern Day. His son Brady played at Modern Day before transferring to Corona Del Mar. Um, life's good when you're bouncing around between Newport schools, by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so there's built-in relationships there. Chris Jackson went to Modern Day. He's not involved in this recruitment, but he still played at Modern Day, went to Modern Day. Um, Jordan Davison and Marcus Harris, I mean, there's a lot of positives um, with Texas at Modern Day right now. Um, then, you know, you get to the fact that Texas moving to the SEC. I, I mean, I think all those things line up uh, to Celia Kana. On the mom's side, um, Brandon Baker's mom's side is related to the Kana family. Brandon Baker on the dad's side has family in Texas in the DFW area. So there's a lot of things that if he picks Texas, we'll be able to talk about and say, okay, that was good. Check, check box, check box, check box. I think right now Texas may have more boxes being checked than anybody else ahead of this announcement. We'll see which way it goes. Bobby. Hey, Craig has a, a question here. Is Baker an early enrollee, Jerry? Yeah, I, I believe he is an early enrollee. By the way, speaking with Solomon Williams yesterday, he is as well. By oh, wow. Yeah, Solomon Williams is a December graduate at Carrollwood Day as well. So all yeah. three of those, if, if he were to go choose Texas, all three of the edges would be midterm grads, right? That's right. Zeno, wow. uh, Colin Simmons, and Solomon yeah. Williams. That, yep. that uh, makes for good good, uh, a good spring hey, practice. Hey, by, by the way, Bobby, all four five stars, Texas is in on. Colin Simmons obviously committed. Brandon Baker, Ryan Wingo, Kobe Black, all early enrollees as well. There you go. Can't beat that. That would make spring practice really interesting. If all no, I know that's. I, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself. I mean, Bobby's processing all that right. Yeah, I mean, you know, what does that exactly mean? It means, uh, you know, you're going to have. Look, we expect attrition at Texas this offseason in two two ways: NFL draft. Period. We think eight to ten guys, right, that are true guys will be gone. 
You also expect some guys that are behind other people right now are going to be gone more so than what left last year. Uh, it's simple. It's starting to get the, the numbers and the amount of talent in the freshman and sophomore class starting to outshine some guys that are in the upper class. So it's going to be their last chance to go play somewhere. That's going to happen. So say that's, you know, eight to 10 plus five to 10, it's going to be more valuable uh, this off season to have more early enrollees than maybe it is typically uh, given where Texas's roster might be uh, come January. That's, that's a, that's a good thing. Hey, hey, Bobby, we had that discussion last night, Rod and I with Ray on the live stream late in the live stream is because people ask what, how many draft draftable guys or free agents Texas have. And we got up to 15 guys. that will be in a training camp. Probably if all the uh, underclassmen declare that are possible and people are like, Oh, that's not, that's not the, the best year to be going into the sec. But my response to that was kind of like yours. I mean, you know, Derek Williams may be better than the guy graduating. Long term. Maybe Muhammad may be better than the guy graduating by next year. And that's where recruiting top five classes and, and being a blue blood in the portal is very positive. Because here's the thing, you know, Texas hasn't had anybody in the portal yet. That's coming after the season, right? And so Texas, these blue bloods, if you're recruiting at that level and then you work the portal correctly, it's a sin, it's definitely a reload sport now. It's definitely a reload. You have to develop your players. But for the Texas fans saying, oh, man, that's not the roster we want to have heading into the SEC if all those guys are gone. Mm, I'm not so sure. I think some of the young guys may be better than guys departing, even if they get drafted. All right, guys. Well, we got lots of questions rolling in and plenty of time to get your questions in. So please do so. And uh, I want to start here with if i can find it uh king me uh, i'm sorry not king me it was uh i just had it my sorry my screen jumped too broke to pay attention uh and he says jerry with what's with the recruiting news on the road of course you talked about that but he wants to know if you have any ryan williams news yeah you know um ryan williams we'll see what happens on that uh he doesn't have a visit date to texas right now um we'll see what happens that's a recruitment that as he works to try to reclassify that recruitment's going to happen late if something's going to happen with Texas. And, and when I say late, I'm talking April, May, March, April, May. You know, you got to get through the school year, see if you can reclassify. I'll say this. There's a lot of pressure on that kid to stay in state. Uh, obviously, he's committed to Alabama. His dad played at Auburn. Um, so Texas will keep recruiting him. Uh, A.J. Millwee will be at the uh, Sarah Land game April, uh, sorry, October 13th, Texas off week. I'm betting Sark may be there as well since K.J. Lacey is a quarterback commitment. Uh, Texas is in contact with Ryan Williams. That one's got a long way to go, and that's not one I would be, uh, you know, would be close to saying Texas could get right now. And then we have a, a super chat recruiting related from William Nee. She said, what's involved when it comes to the mental evaluation? Seems like Sark and staff have done an excellent job with mental evaluations. Uh, having talked to Sark personally about this uh, about a year, year and a half ago when I got him uh, kind of for some one-on-one -on -one time at, at one point, he said that football being important to players is extremely important to him. Um he doesn't want it to be a, the guy kind of wants to be good. He wants a guy that's committed to the sport. Um, and that doesn't mean he won't take multi-sport athletes. He, he's a big believer in that, I, I think, just based on what he's, he's done and who he's recruited. He wants the men, athlete mentality, though, the winner mentality. Um, I, I think that that's where he's, where he's coming out at. And that's what you see the last several uh, classes, I think, focus on those kind of guys and look billy walton is is a guy that not everybody in the country wanted i'm, I'm gonna tell you th this is a guy warren roberson not a guy everybody in the country wanted okay those are two guys that they thought had great football iq put it all out there every friday night and they wanted them uh, ultimately and my take on it is early is that those two guys are two of the guys that may have been the lowest rated in the class just about, but are going to end up in the top 10 to 15 of the class before it's all said and done and get, you're going to get everything out of them possible. So I, I like where Sark comes from on that. 
it's a pro mentality. Football has to be important to these guys. Uh, so that's that's where it's at, William. I, I'll, I'll add this to it as well, and I agree with everything Bobby said. I think a big part of the mental evaluation and recruiting is, is a couple things too. When these prospects are on campus and they're away from Sark and the coaching staff, how, how are they interacting? Because you know what? You have a leadership group, a leadership panel at Texas. Uh, like talking to Solomon Williams yesterday, he mentioned Baron Sorrell. Well, you know what? I guarantee you Sark and those guys go back after Solomon Williams visits in late July. Hey, what do you think? Baron, what do you think of Solomon? Oh, man. Great. Boom, boom. This is what we talked about. That's part of that mental eval, too. It's more than the coaches. They also they go to their players who are around these kids when they're not there because, you know what, a kid can act one way in front of the coach. If he knows what to say, he's very street smart. Then you get him away, and what does he do, right? I would think a conversation with Tory Becton is impactful, too. Is this guy really going to maximize his talent? Does he understand what he has to do to maximize his talent? Then there's the other part of the mental eval process, Bobby, and I'm sure you have stories. I'm not going to name a name, but I, I took a road trip a few years ago, and when I met a prospect that was highly ranked, he gave me a dead fish handshake and looked to the ground the first time I ever met him. <laughs> and I made a call to a college coach, said this guy has no chance at the position he plays. No chance to, to take the ball and be that guy at a place that has a lot of pressure. Then I went about, I don't know, 75, 80 miles down the road, and I got an Adrian Peterson-like handshake that I'm not sure my hands recovered from. And the guy gave me a look in the eye, and I said, that guy's going to win. That's part of the mental eval, too. It you is. I, I think that's part of it. And I think I think what, what we're both saying is there's more to it than just what they look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love it whenever that's all going on. I mean, I, I think that – that uh, if you put it all together, that's that's what it's all about. All right, y'all. Uh, we got another or a couple of questions coming in. You're talking about Weston Davis earlier, Jerry, and I'm going to kind of roll both of these up into one. Uh, Champ Bailey three says, Jerry, you've been calling the Weston Davis visit for a long time now. Is the momentum real for him to flip? And then Ruben Flores right afterwards said, What are the chances of flipping Weston Davis and slash or DeAndre Carter? So now that it's kind of out there that Weston Davis has a planned visit, AM has nine days to get that thing off the books. I, I, I mean, so let's see, let's see what happens, right? That's their job as recruiters to get that kid not to go to Austin now. Um, the key for me is anytime a kid um, takes a visit that hasn't been on campus before since he was a younger player, who makes that visit with him? So, I mean, if, if mom, grandma, like if Weston Davis shows up in Austin and mom and grandma are involved, then yeah, it gets real. If it's just him, not as real for me as far as the flip uh, opportunity for a flip. That that's the way I look at all this. Just just think about it this way, guys. I mean, Danny Okoye made an official visit to Texas in June. The only visit his mom went on was Oklahoma throughout the process, and that's where he committed yesterday. And that's where he committed yesterday. So that's if, why it's important, Solomon Williams, mom. Comes with him on his official visit. And that's why Texas didn't want him to come in last weekend um, because obviously his grandmother was in the hospital um, and, and the mom wasn't going to travel. Tex, that's why Texas is like, just, hey, we'll come back. Come back another weekend because he made the unofficial visit Solomon Williams in July with his head coach. And that's good, but the mom is going to have to sign off if Texas is going to end up winning that recruitment. All right, let's do a couple more recruiting questions, uh, then we'll get to some team ones. E. Kim says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. Jerry, how is Texas doing with 2025 football prospects in the Southeast? I think that I think it opened some eyes. I mean, like, even when you're at Carrollwood Day yesterday, I didn't talk to any of those young kids specifically. I didn't have time. We are under a lightning delay, first of all. It was crazy weather. It flew in that way, blew in that way. Um, but uh, I, I, from talking to older guys – you know, or talking to KJ Lacey at Sarah Land Tuesday, the response for kids has been very positive uh, since the Bama uh, victory. So, you know, Texas has to go out and do their job. But anytime you have a win like that in front of what, nine million viewers, um, kids, families, high school coaches, they're all watching that game. And, and so it's been very positive. Now, I'll say this 
I'm after this is over, headed up the road. I'm going to see two couple of 2025 guys. The Texas has offers out to uh, the Space Coast area and at Orlando area. So uh, you ask me again tomorrow morning, and I'll, I'll let you know what was said directly to me today. Uh, then we have a question here from MJF. He says, Jerry, there haven't been many four- to five-star <laughs> prospects come out of Victoria for the past 30 years. Sure, there's been a few, but not the expected quantity. With two 5A schools, why do you think that is? I can't remember the last one, Bobby. I mean, um, it seems to me they got – somebody's in the NFL right now. Um, from one of the Victoria schools. Um, last Victoria product I remember talking to, last Victoria product I remember talking to on the phone, and this is taking you back now, is a punter named James Garcia. Yeah. Ended up signing with uh, the folks up at Kansas State and was, a, I think, a four-year starter uh, for Bill Snyder. But I, for whatever reason, uh, going out 59 that way, um, and I think it's a new it's a new name highway now, right, Jerry? Um, but back when I was doing it, uh, I think it was 59, it was Wharton. And then the, the athletes kind of stopped at Wharton out that way. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, th- I think a lot sport- of baseball players in, in Victoria, by the way, uh, I, was about to say that. <laughs> I was going to say baseball town, but, uh, um, look, I would also say this, your smaller towns in those areas are producer or producing players. I mean, it's not close to you know, rice consolidated Cuero, Refugio. I mean, your small towns in those areas produce, uh, you know, Rice Gonzalez has a DB committed to Nebraska. Refurio has a wide receiver committed to AM, right? Cuero, Jordan Whittington has had a lot of good players come through there. So I know it's not next door to Victoria, but your smaller towns in that area seem to be your producers. New England backup quarterback Bailey Zapp, or Zappe, however you say his name, that went to Western Kentucky. He was the last big prospect to come out of somebody asked about Kiati armstrong you have to pull it up out of jasper 2025 um tied in uh from jasper texas likes Kiati armstrong we'll see if they get him back on campus uh this season all right guys we got a couple of super chats that we need to get to and uh we're gonna start with this one from Corey cochran he just says thanks guys tuning in from san angelo Corey, we thank you for the super chat and of course thank you for tuning in so how do you say marins if he's never there anymore. He, he's in Houston. Shay's yeah, in Houston. Now. Big, big money guy in Houston. All right, then Tribs has two super chats, and his first one he making a Baylor prediction, thirty-eight to fourteen. Hook him. So predicting a Texas win there, and then he says, "Can we win ten plus games and Quinn stay for one more season?" Jerry, you're already shaking your head. No, no, no. I think the plan is to move on to the NFL. After this year, start that. Fall. Only thing I would say is if an injury hits, then and I, I here's my take. I think Texas could still win ten with an injury to Quinn Ewers. I think the depth and talent is good enough that if a quarterback gets going for Texas, second string, whatever, uh, that, that look Texas has talent, guys. Texas went into Alabama and beat Alabama. That wasn't just Quinn Ewers. Let's let's be clear. Um, and they, they, right now they've got the number one defense in the country, according to the FEI on, uh, ESPN. That's, that's not, I mean, that look, I'm not saying they're perfect and I'm not saying they're necessarily dominant. We've seen them actually give up a lot of first downs, et cetera, but that is a good defense. They will be in or should be in just about every game they play in the Big 12 going forward and every game going forward, no matter who they play or when they play them um, because of that defense. And so um, only thing I would say there, Tribs, is if if uh, Quinn gets hurt, uh, all bets are off on that. Well, let's follow that up with this question from Ricky Serta that he just asked. How can yours move on when he's not ready? <laughs> Well, that's a great – hey, no, that's a fair question because he's inconsistent right now, Jerry. The inconsistent guys go in the first round of the NFL draft. Andy <laughs> Richardson says hello. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's Look, I mean, it's um, – if it, he's not going to play to the level to challenge high in the draft, obviously, first round, right? Um, but, uh, look, man, guys, this is a upside and developmental draft still. I mean, it, it's it's no it's no different than 
MLB in a way. It's no different than NBA. I mean, there's guys that they say, okay, his best football, his best basketball is way out in front of him. We're going to take this guy and we're going to develop him. I mean, and, and it's guys that have elite talent um, and they just, it, it may take them a little bit longer, but those guys still tend to get drafted. No doubt. All right, guys, before we move and, on. And, and also I'll say this, that Alabama tape's really good. <laughs> Very true. All right, before we move on, I need to tell everybody about Prize Picks, who's our sponsor this morning. Prize Picks are a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their prize picks projection. You aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play. It takes almost no time, which is very helpful to somebody like me who's always on the go. I can make my pick, submit my entry, and it takes less than 60 seconds. Prize Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You can win up to 25 times your entry amount and cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. Tonight, I'm all over the Thursday night football action on Prize Picks. I'll be taking Devo Samuel to go over 54 receiving yards and George Kittle to go under 43 yards. And to join me on the picks or to make your own, go to prizefix.com slash on Texas. Use promo code on Texas for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including college football, and it adds a ton of excitement to the experience. Again, prizepicks.com slash on Texas, promo code on Texas. You get a first deposit match of up to $100, and that's Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I, I I gotta say this, Blake. You're you're a baseball fan. The Rangers could not have been kind to you in the last week or so. <laughs> uh, same with the Astros. Uh, you know, not not a not a good week for the Strohs either. Well, um, Rangers been struggling a little bit, but hey, they set a whole bunch of records yesterday. So I'm hoping that's a building block into the playoffs. That's what I'm gonna go with and choose to believe. But I doubt it happens. <laughs> so, all right, guys, we got a bunch of uh of super chats coming in that we need to get to. And we will start with Nick Louie. He says, Jerry, have you ever been to Argyle High School to see a recruit? And if so, do you remember who? I have, and I've been trying to think about that since I saw the question. I've been to Argyle Christian, too. Um, I'm trying to think of who that was. Now, obviously, Van Poppel's kid saw him at camps, so didn't go through the high school to see him. Van Poppel's, Todd Van Poppel's son, really talented defensive lineman. I, I – I thought coming out could be an NFL offensive guard. I think he's at Nebraska. He's a freshman up there. Um, with Argyle Christian, let me think back on who it was. It was when Argyle wasn't what Argyle is now. What um, about jo- John Ani's nephew? Uh, the the uh, I may have been through a practice there to see him. I, I, I'm I'm trying. I need to think back on who it was. I can't for some reason I'm drawing a blank on that. Got it. Okay. We can come back to it when you when you remember. All right, then we have a question from Juan here. I want to thank Juan. He says, what was the deal with Miles Davis? Is he about to decommit? Did you see the Twitter about him picking Auburn over a He's just like Bobby. He's going to pick the loss and hope for the win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's like Bobby in that regard. <laughs> Something tells me he's not. <laughs> uh, no, I look, I – We'll see. I mean, we'll see. It's a uh, it's it, it, it's a process that continues. I mean, Miles. Yeah, I talked to him last week. He says he's coming to Texas for the uh, Texas Tech game. Uh, that's a long ways off, by the way. Um, let's see if uh, if any of these guys reach out to Texas and want to come in a little bit before that. Uh, but I, I think Texas continues to evaluate the safety position, senior evals as well. Um, so I, I think. Uh, but Miles Davis, he's a talented kid. Got to keep putting that tape up there if you're if you're a guy right now that's not in the boat for Texas. I'm just going to be honest. So Miles Davis and DeAndre Carter and guys like that um, that might visit Texas. You better keep putting up good film because Texas is evaluating seniors right now. Any uncommitted seniors, they're evaluating not only you but other other guys in the boat too. Hey, hey, Blake, bring up Britt Rasco's Melissa question. Question. Put me on the spot here, but uh, Jerry. <laughs> oh, there, there, there it is at nine thirty-seven. Oh, here we go. 
So I want to I, I want to mention this one. And Melissa's one of those schools that's up and coming, kind of like Lovejoy, right? Um, that's where Trevor Gooseby played. Um, they got a young kid over there to watch. His name's Austin Gooseby. <laughs> Six five receiver, but also a very talented basketball player. So uh he's actually on the Texas basketball radar. Austin Gooseby, Trevor's little brother. Trevor's almost six eight now. Wow. Austin grows as gets that six seven, six eight territory with his basketball talent. Watch out. But he he is playing receiver there. Melissa has some uh some young talent over there, but I wanted to mention that uh, a Texas player, Trevor Gooseby's little brother, who's very talented. Uh, Nigel Smith committed to Oklahoma, uh, the defensive end out of there too. That Texas, uh, you know, Texas kicked the tires on, but did yeah. not go hard on, despite his natural national ranking. I think. I mean, frankly, I think they like the other guys better. Zena, Colin Simmons, and and Solomon Williams. Yeah. More suddenness, I think. Uh, by the way, Solomon Williams yesterday, he's got the traps everybody wants, by the way. Oh, really? I don't have them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you worked out this morning. I called you when you are on the treadmill. I was on the treadmill. Weights are foreign to me. Uh, Jerry Johnson asked if PNG and Fort Bend Marshall if I'm going tomorrow. And I'm not. I'm, I'm going to be in Florida. Uh, I like PNG in that game. I know Britt Rasco's picking Marshall. I watched Marshall a couple weeks ago. I like PNG in that game. Uh, we got another super chat that we need to get to that I accidentally uh, glossed over a second ago, and it's from Blake, not from me, but a different Blake. It says, what are some of the premier private schools in the state putting out talent these days? In the state, that's shifted because Bishop Dunn is not that anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of where that actually is now. All what that's- did Episcopal? I was about to say, Parish Episcopal good coming up. Yeah, I mean, but they had that run where they had Waddle, Marvin Wilson. Um, Walker Little. Walker Little. I mean, I don't think they're there anymore. Um, it's kind of shifted. I'm, I Give me a second to think about that. It's definitely shifted in Dallas. Bishop Dunn had a run where when the kids that weren't going to – that are at South Oak Cliff may have been at Bishop Dunn there for a few years and before Red Oak got really good. On, on the public school level, a lot of Red Oak kids are going to Bishop Dunn. They've had some changes there. I mean, Bishop Dunn was the place uh, for a few years uh, in Texas as far as producing Power 5 guys, D1 guys. Um, I think it's more spread out now, honestly. I mean, St. Thomas has a really good running back over there. They, they have a they have a couple of young prospects over there as well. Uh, let, let, me, let me think about that for a couple of minutes. But it's kind of spread out, like Beaumont Christian – I mean, so we're at Beaumont down where Keaston Randall played. Um, that school doesn't really produce the quarterback, the young quarterback left there and went to Westbrook. So um, it, it's kind of a little more spread out now. Uh, what about the uh, Dallas area? Parish Episcopal? You know, Parish has done done pretty well. That's I was I was just thinking about that. You know, Fort Worth All Saints still has a lot of kids. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Fort Worth All Saints. Obviously, they have probably have the most Division One guys as a private school in Texas right now, and they and I think they always will. Right? I mean, you have the Alito kids that don't uh, go public. You have some of the Crowley kids that don't go public uh, to go to public school. So Fort Worth Christian is is a really good area um, to continue to have that talent, especially with the growth in DFW. Uh, Parish Episcopal's had some kids. They got a great setup there. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a little more spread out now. It All used right. to be just a few teams, man. Yeah. Now there's so many private schools. in <laughs> A ton. Yeah. Somebody mentioned that. Somebody mentioned a great one. Plano John Paul, but they have no midterm graduates. I mean, Terrence Brooks, that's why he w- went back to Little Elm because they don't have midterm high school. Grad- we were talking about that on live stream last night, how in Arizona, they don't have early high school graduates. If if you don't, if you're a public school that doesn't have midterm graduates, you're you're getting hurt in football right now. All right. Well, let's ask or let's get to some team related questions. Too broke to pay attention says on Texas football. Could this be a game where special teams for Texas could be a big factor? I think D. Camillus could have a field day dialing up plays that would lead to big return yardage and maybe a touchdown or two. Hey, I would hope so. All right. Look, Texas needs to win these games in all phases, like Steve Sarkeesian said. They need to keep uh, pushing the envelope in that regard. They have the talent on special teams right now to be a difference maker. Uh, Xavier Worthy was, quote, close, I thought, 
uh, on one return uh, last week. He was made good returns against uh, Alabama. They are in the top 20. Texas is in the top 20 right now in net punt or and excuse me, in net kick or net punt return. Xavier Worthy, one of the top 20 in the country. They are number two overall right now in net punting uh, at 47.6 yards per net punt. Uh, so they are dominating special teams. Uh, it would be nice if they put some points on the board, maybe got a block. I thought Keelan Robinson came close on Saturday night against Wyoming one try. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Baylor, Baylor has not had a clean special teams program uh, in the last couple of years, in my opinion. And um, and, I, and I was responding to somebody, but, so you may have said it, but Texas really hasn't come after Ponch yet this year. Maybe just one against Wyoming and didn't one. quite get there. Right. Yeah. It's that time. It's Big 12. It's You're on the road. Uh, somebody asked any young players coming out of Forney. If you live in Forney, go watch Forney High, JV and Osborne, 2026 sophomore running backs, one of the best in the country. Get out and watch Forney. Watch that kid. Texas has already offered him. Oklahoma's offered him. JV and Osborne, Forney High, sophomore, 2026 running back. He's going to be one of the best in the country. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, Captain Americano says, Do you think we get out to a comfortable lead and see Malik or Arch on Saturday? Of course, winning is job one, but it would be extremely helpful to get the backup some live game experience. It hasn't yeah. that hasn't gone according to plan this year? <laughs> no, it has not. And I I agree with you. I think it's invaluable experience, yeah. uh, uh, Jerry and Blake. And and I think that that's one of the things maybe that uh, has some Texas fans flummoxed uh, because they need to see Malik Murphy get more game action in case of exactly what we talked about about ten minutes ago with Quinn Ewers. I mean that is a position that gets injured. We're Texas getting ready to play a team with an injured quarterback. Uh, in in uh, Blake Shapin is likely out for this game for Baylor. Last week, Andrew Peasley was out for Wyoming. The quarterback position gets injured. You need to see other guys, and other guys need to have um, some time. What happens if Quinn Ewers gets injured in the first half of the OU game, and Malik Murphy hasn't seen enough action? That's not that's not ideal. And I can tell you that Brent Venables will try to light him up. So it is important, in my opinion, that they start getting those guys some some reps at the same time you can't do it when you're only up you know when it's 10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter all right uh hook from okc needs some advice he says good morning guys hope y'all are enjoying this beautiful morning i'll be at the kansas game and i think i'm going to try to get there early anything i should know before heading up there yeah yeah get the bevo boulevard three hours before the game um from walk that thing from south to north see everything del conte's done with Bevo Boulevard and University of Texas done. It's a great experience, especially if you're bringing kids. Uh, team bus, the team will get off the bus at the north end of Bevo Boulevard, uh, two hours and 15 minutes before kickoff. Uh, band's there. They bring in Bevo about 30 minutes before that at the south end. You want to do all that stuff when you come down. It, it, it's it, And the weather should be better for you. Uh, I think that's a 2.30 kick, right? So it will be a little mid-morning uh, action when you get there. But, yeah, I think, I think that there's a jumbotron. Longhorn Network, they do their pregame show there on Bevo Boulevard. So Brian Robeson, Michael Griffin, those guys are there as well. Uh, you'll, you'll see players' parents walking around. You might even see some recruits walking around. Uh, you might even see Bobby Burton walking around. You never know. Uh, but uh, that's the place to go. Just get there three hours before game time. 
Yep. Uh, I'm also at the co-op. Uh, me and Rod Babers at the co-op at three o'clock uh, next week uh, on Friday. I, I would say this also, just go enjoy Austin. Um, walk around downtown uh, on Friday night. Not necessarily 6th Street. It's not about 6th Street anymore. That's more for the really college age and like just out of college group. Uh, go check out multiple places downtown. Uh, just a lot of fun places in Austin. Uh, one of the better places to visit, in my opinion, uh, in the country right now, if you're just trying to get out and see something different. Uh, the architecture downtown over the last 10 years, guys, has just gone nuts. Uh, it's really kind of, uh, it's just a cool skyline with the sail building, the the Jenga building. They've got a bunch of different stuff. Uh, Austin's a nice town, man. Uh, Joe McWaters preaches sometimes. Should they hold CB4 out unless the game dictates that they need him? No, no, no. I, I, I think, yeah, look, look, I think here's the thing with that too, is um, they've got a really good one, two combination there. The last thing you want is Jonathan Brooks carrying it 21, 22 times every week, because then you're not, once CB comes back, then Brooks isn't going to, he's going to be nicked up. I mean, it's a position that they take hits, they play on sport turf, they're going to fall on shoulders. Uh, things like that. So I, I think they have a really good combination at running back um, when those guys are effectively splitting 25, 26 carries, right, Bobby? I mean, I think that's a really good spot to be in for keeping those guys healthy, playing each other's strengths because they have different strengths as running backs. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about this. Uh, Baxter's the lean on you guy. I mean, he's he's a punishing runner. Now, Jonathan Brooks is a strong runner. He's just not a punishing runner. Yeah. Um, there's a difference. And so uh, both of them can can hurt you deep. Both of them can hurt you out of the backfield. I, look, my my point on that is you need two running backs, just like they needed it last year with Bijan and Roshan. And those two right now, in my opinion, are the only two that give you the full mill deal. Right. Yeah. The, Keelan Robinson is a boutique player at running back, a, a good one. So I'm not saying that. Jaden Blue, somewhat similar in that regard, right? Baxter and Brooks give you a one-two punch. I'm not sure anybody else gives you a one-two punch unless Savion Red is, is that guy because he's more of that physical runner and can still hurt you out of the backfield too. I mentioned this last night when on the live stream with Rod and Ray and I were talking. It's a really big deal for Texas that Cedric Baxter started game one as a freshman coming from Florida. You think so? Is, is oh, that what you're hearing yeah. down there? Yeah, I think that's a big deal. I mean, look, it, it, it's a kid. It, um, it, it's a kid that the number one running back in the country from Florida was committed to Florida State, and Florida State's really good now. Still pick Texas. Uh, it, it's a really good show for Texas that that kid was starting the opener. He came in and handled his business. I, I think that was a big. Yeah, like Ryan Nelson said, that's one hell of a recruiting pitch. I agree. Yep. Interesting. Uh, we got a, a loaded question here from Derek. And Derek <laughs> says, why does Texas State and South Alabama have no issues with a three-high defense, but we've been discussing it for three years now? <laughs> well, That's I, not a bad thought. That's not a bad thought. I, uh, I, I, don't, I honestly haven't watched South Alabama or Texas State this year, so I can't really comment on that. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're um, I'm going to ask this question. You want me to ask this question from the uh, Inside Texas board sure. uh, from Bookham RJ13? It's a little long, but I think it's interesting. I may get dragged on this take, or maybe not. I'm tired, boss. I'm tired of pretending that Quinn is great or a first round pick or even that guy. What he has, has he shown on a consistent basis? There is a laundry list of negative plays, games, uh, footwork decisions in a few games plays that make you say, wow, I would venture to say that at least 80% of the D1 QBs could make wow plays we have seen without as many scratch your head play plays. Where is the disconnect? There's, there's more, but I, I'm going to say this. I have the same questions. When is he going to go from talent to player? We've seen aspects of that happen. One thing I will say to Quinn's uh, defense is that Sark runs a pro-style offense, okay? This is not chuck and duck, 
That's right. Um, and so it takes longer for those guys. It takes, it, it's not, no offense, the University of Houston offense that is predicated on, I mean, th those are good offenses. It's not the OU offense. Like, and so given that, it's going to take longer for processing. And there's more things a defense can do to you. Um, at the same time, it's it's harder to defend if you're really, really good at it, Right. Um, and I think that that's where Texas is right now. And that's where Quinn Ewers is in his development. And that's that's going to happen. This is the other thing. That's going to happen no matter who the quarterback is. Sark's Quinn Ewers the, or somebody else. He was the first freshman that Sark ever started at quarterback, by the way, guys. There's a reason for that. Yeah. There's a reason for that. I mean, uh, that that's just the reality is um, he just hasn't done that. And that's not – People say, oh, you're protecting. No, I, I'm not. I'm just, that's just reality. He's the first freshman quarterback he ever started. That's not uh, the, the generally the plan. Um, he, he likes those guys to have a year in his system. Um, or I, I should have said first, first year quarterback in his system. He likes those guys to have a year in the system and really learn it because it is a little complex. But uh, here's the thing, though. I mean, it, it, the quarterback position is, um, it's the one that's going to be criticized. But it's like it's kind of like to me. I, I I like when Tiger Woods made golf big. Every single swing he made was talked about. What was wrong? What was right? You're talking about the best golfer a lot of us have ever seen. But every swing he made, there was somebody talking about what was right about that swing. What was wrong about that swing? What's going on with this guy? Well, that's the quarterback position. I mean, it's interesting. I had a conversation with uh, TJ Ford last week. We were talking, and he had like nine turnovers. He had like ten turnovers in games. He said, but we aren't publicized like a quarterback. And it's an interesting thing, and I think it's kind of where we're at nowadays too, is every single throw a quarterback makes is going to be analyzed, right? And that's part of the going with the process. That's part of – being that guy this year. So we look at this a lot different nowadays than we have in the past. I want to, I want to say this though, Jerry, I agree with him. Um, I agree with the consternation of him not having taken that next, next step that his talent speaks to. Yeah. And some of that is footwork. Um, and so given that you would think that that's kind of happen, going to happen, uh, but he he's not there yet. And so when is he going to be there? We don't know. It's not progress yep. is not linear. No. It's it's up, down, sideways, then up again. And hopefully it's just directional. And this is what I talked with Rod about the other day. Um, progress in football is very rarely linear. Um, the only I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Anthony Hill, I thought showed linear progress during the Wyoming game. He, he missed a hole. They coached him up. He went back out and filled the hole the next time he went in. Okay. That is so rare that it tells you that Quinn, that uh, Anthony Hill may have a football IQ that outstrips some other people. Um, and so Quinn just may not be that way. And quarterback is a position that is the most difficult position in Sark's offense to play and on the team. And so that's, that's where it's at. Right now, I think that's what you get. You know, I'm not making excuses for Quinn. I definitely want him to play better. Every every Longhorn fan does. Who wouldn't? Uh, but the the same time, Longhorns are a three and zero in large part because of the game he had at Alabama. Definitely. So don't don't the, the minute you start trying to tear him down, don't forget to pat him on the back because he he came out and played well. All right, guys, we got a couple of super chats that we need to get to real quick. Uh, this first one from Trey Day, we're going to switch gears completely here. He says, with the addition of Okoye, o OU's 2024 class on the D-line is looking impressive. Can you talk about them a little bit? What can we expect from them? And then he followed that up with this. Also, our own D-line is looking strong so far this year. How big of an apology does the Texas fan base owe Bo Davis for doubting him? Well, well, I was hit Bo Davis for, I mean, the guy's a great developer. I mean, it, 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 look, the guy develops football players. He has a track record of that. And um, for people that want to understand how good Bo Davis is, Nick Saban's tried to hire him back since he's been at Texas. Brian Kelly 
talk, wanted to talk to him last year when he had an opening. Billy Napier, when he was hired at Florida, wanted Bo Davis. I mean, there's a reason for that. That guy, guy's a tremendous football coach and developer. Um, and I, I'll be honest. I mean, I think the speech he gave after Iowa State on the bus that got out and went viral was huge for Sark in this program. Um, I uh, Somebody asked if Bo Davis recruited Fondre Sweat. No. Um, that, to Vondre Sweat was previous to that. Um, hey, I want to say this real quick on OU's defensive line class, Jerry. Um, looks good in the rankings, right? Yeah, it looks good in the rankings. <laughs> I, I'm not a David Stone fan. Like, I would – after watching him in, in the IMG game against Lipscomb Academy, I would rate David Stone a three-star. We've got him ranked a five-star. Very low production, very low motor, looks like a million bucks. I'm just telling you now that OU now people are going to go clip that and send it to OU fans. <laughs> uh, I was not impressed. I'll, I'll just be—I I was more impressed with Jaden Jackson, uh, the interior defensive lineman that is going to OU that Texas also was in on. I, I thought he was a good player, uh, but uh, yeah, I not—I I, am—I I would tell you that you can get caught star chasing a little bit. Uh, to Jerry's point. Danny Okoye is a different story. I think he's kind of a freaky athlete for his size. Yeah. That has yet to prove whether or not he physically can make the jump from homeschool football to real football. If he makes that jump, he's a freak athlete. I, I, I think that, that that's a big lottery ticket that they just punched. We'll and, see. And, we'll and see to, Bobby's, to Bobby's point, I'm not sitting here saying who's going to be a better player long term. I, look, David Stone has physical talent. He's got to get that the rest of it right um last one in the line for drills last one out the practice at img when i was there first one off the practice field they he, he's got to get serious about the game where flip side is deontre robinson who's rank lower goes the good council has 13 tackles getting double teamed the whole game when you're getting blown out so you know i'm going to see deontre today you know what the first thing deontre is going to ask me bobby blake Hey, this guy, this guy, and this guy, why is he ranked ahead of me? <laughs> yeah. that, he cares. He, it pisses him off. I like that about the entree. <laughs> All right, this next super chat from Rudy Serda says, saw someone say Baxter's injury prone, but he's a true freshman still getting used to the physicality of college football. What do y'all think? I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to address that. I think that it's out there to set it Baxter's injury prone. He's not. His junior year in high school, he had an amazing year. Um, his spring of his junior year, he kind of had a hamstring pull in track. That recurred his senior year. But here's the thing with him. They set him out because they could. They had a really good team. He sat out five games. He could have come back after a couple of games. So injury prone, not really, not in his history. Um, he was a – Really healthy player all the way through high school. He had that little hamstring issue in track, but that staff also at Edgewater held him out longer than they had to because they were an undefeated team and they were really good and they didn't need to play him in some of those games. Um, I thought the injury against Rice just unfortunate. He fell on the right side of his shoulder. I mean, people are like, like he rolled over the ball. The ball had nothing to do with his injury. I mean, the ball was in his left hand. He came down and was trying to – uh, put his arm on the ground, didn't get there in time because of the way he tripped, and just the right point of his shoulders what hit the ground. Everybody's like, he rolled over the ball, he had bruised ribs. He, he didn't roll over the ball. Did people watch the game? I don't get this stuff with that. Um, the injury against Bama, I mean, look, I, I think that was uh, just a little pulled calf muscle, man. I mean, but I I, I think he'll be fine long term. The, uh, the thing with him is um, – the, the thing with Cedric Baxter, too, is he's – Typical Florida public school kid. He's just now getting into a real strength and conditioning program. I think what he is now is going to look totally different than what he is next year. Bobby, so, I don't know so here, here are the things that I would say about Cedric Baxter. As a running back and a young one, you have to learn to protect yourself better in the college game. These are all injuries where you have to learn to protect yourself better to a degree. Think about Jordan Whittington. Think about Jonathan Brooks. Both injured as freshmen. Yeah. Both have now learned not to be, you know, they've learned the pace of the game. They're not exposing themselves necessarily the same way. Cedric Baxter has to do that. And and you have to go through and have some experience doing that, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Uh, we got one more super chat that we need to catch up on. This one from Jaylee. He says, based on what you've seen from each team so far, do you have any thoughts about the OU Texas game outcome? It's going to be tougher than most Texas fans thought preseason. I think OU's got is a little on to something on offense, and they're better on defense. As long as Dylan Gabriel is healthy, it will be a much more hotly contested game, and I expect to see fireworks in two weeks. They're, or actually, 16 days, I guess, if you want to get you know, exact about it. I really do expect this. If Texas beats Baylor and Kansas, I feel like OU is going to go in undefeated, no doubt. Um, that's going to be a, a well-watched game. I just wonder if it's going to be on the 11 o'clock game or the 2.30 game. That that's uh that's gonna be cute uh, key. Well, we know we know game day will be there if they're both undefeated. Yeah, no doubt. That's gonna be a big scene. Um, I, my thoughts are I think you know former Texas defensive analyst ran into a friend of Bobby and I's this week and said, "Oh, you've improved on defense." To him, um, I think it'll be what'll be interesting is they got good ta- offensive tackles out of the portal too. I think if they can protect Gabriel, Oklahoma will attack the Texas safeties and coverage. Yes. Gabriel throws the vertically. Gabriel's good in that regard. So that's going to be that's going to be that chess match of how can you get pressure on Gabriel? If not, if he's got time to let those routes develop, they will attack the Texas safeties and coverage. That's where they're going to attack Texas. Um, and then, you know, the other the other thing there for uh for for Oklahoma and Texas, they're improved on defense. They haven't seen talent like they have, and they won't. And they got a tougher game at Cincinnati uh, this week, but the game they should win. Obviously, Cincinnati lost to Miami of Ohio, but it's still a road game. Uh, OU's going to jump on top of Cincinnati quick in that game. The thing about OU that they've done that that with this offense that Jeff Levy has, if you're not accustomed to playing it, they'll jump on you so quickly. They will look, look – they'll jump on you so quickly. They'll be up, and all of a sudden your, your entire offensive game plan goes in the – the the opponent the opposing opposing opponent's offensive game plan goes in the the toilet because you, you're all of a sudden down twenty one nothing before you even know what to do. Uh, somebody asked favorite recruit still on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, favorite recruit I like is maybe different from a Texas need standpoint. I think Brandon Baker's a really big recruit for Texas because Christian Jones is graduating at right tackle. And I think Brandon Baker's an elite pass pro guy um, as a t- right tackle prospect. So, and he's coming from modern day. He's prepared. Um, I think the modern day pipeline too. I, I think there's a lot to that one. Um, favorite guy left on the board, Bobby. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if you have one there. Um, I was just tr- I was just trying to think. I mean, I I think you go with uh, Kobe Black, Ryan Wingo. Maybe Weston Davis, I, and and I say that because I think it takes longer for uh, offensive linemen to really show, um, and I do think that they're going to need a big receiver next year. Uh, if Wingo is that guy, I don't know if he is, but the fact that he's a midtermer guy, you'll be able to know sooner. Yeah, um, Kobe Black uh, would be almost a, a very easy uh, replacement for Ryan Watts potentially. Um, that kind of physical presence at corner. There, there are a couple guys, Jerry. Um, all the guys left on the board right now for Texas are important. So I don't, I don't necessarily have a favorite one. I guess uh, maybe Kobe Black for me. All right, y'all. Let's move on here. We got a lot more questions and a little bit of time, so we'll get to as many as we can. Um, this one, you know, we were talking about. Quinn a little bit ago. William Neese says, doesn't the NFL, when considering potential, take a look at the weapons a quarterback had to work with and his coaching, as well as what resources that NFL team has for that quarterback to work with? Of course. Absolutely. They look at all of it. Um, uh, I think that what what makes me interested in that is uh, not just what the NFL does, but how, how much do they take into consideration the tutelage that the quarterbacks got in college? Right. And how much further is left on the improvement scale? Um, because even Pat Mahomes had K- Cliff Kingsbury in college. Cliff Kingsbury, good quarterback guy. Right. OK. Pat Mahomes sat for his first year in the NFL. 
Now he's the best guy in the, in, in the game or one of, if not the best. Um, and so a lot of that is just getting used to the NFL um, and depends on where they take them, all this other stuff. But I, I obviously think they're, they're, they're adjusting their expectations for all of those things, William. And then we've talked about offense. We've talked about defense a little bit. We got some questions about special teams that we need to get to. Football fan says if a game comes down to a 61 yard field goal like Kansas and Missouri, who takes it? Is it Auburn or Stone, who has developed a stronger leg? Sanborn, the U.S. Army All American kicker, or any of the backup? What's everyone's distance? God, I hope it doesn't come down to a 61 yard field goal. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Yeah. I don't think it would be Auburn. I don't think he hit it from that far. No. No, I think it's Stone at, at, on that level of a kick. All right, guys. 55 is a different story, by the way. 55 would be a different story. 61s. I don't think I don't think Auburn has his, the leg unless he's just got adrenaline running through him like he's never had. And then the Green Lantern says, uh, Bobby, Jerry, I once saw Kenneth Sims be the first man down covering a punt in practice. Are there any D linemen on this year's team with that type of speed? Jerry would say Byron Murphy. Yeah, Byron Murphy, yeah. I mean, if, if if his job was to chase, then he would definitely do it because he doesn't have any quit in him and he would take it as a challenge. Maybe Ethan Burke, but I don't know that you really considering him as a down lineman. Now, right. now I'll, I'll say this too. If you told Alfred Collins to go run down and and, and that dude's got such a long stride, then he'd get down there pretty quick. Alfred Collins looks at, at 285 could probably run the 400. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the reality is he's probably going to run in the four sevens at the combine at 285, 315 pounds, whatever he is right now. He's probably going to run in the four sevens at the combine. Jeez. Four eight, four eight, the highest, right? I mean, that's just going to be reality after he, he trains for the draft and they work on his start for three months. And yeah, he's going to put up a time. All right, we have a question here from King Me. Uh, he says, "With Hudson injured and Campbell not consistent, do you think we see more Umazulu or Williams against Baylor?" I, I think that's a great question. I mean, my thought on it is you're going to see Hayden Connor a little bit at right guard. Um. Because Hudson and Campbell were essentially splitting reps, Hudson a little bit more against Bama at right guard. I think you're going to see Hayden Connor play a little right guard, get DJ Campbell some relief there. So he's fresh the whole game. And you're going to see Neto at left guard a little bit more. And that's going to help his development kick in, Bobby. That's my thought on that is I think they almost have to do that. I, I'm interested to see how often they use Neto or Neto. I, I, I do believe that. I just don't know when that's going to happen. Look, I, I think they want to get DJ Campbell still more reps too, they have to get yep. him going. So uh, he's he's only played about half the snap so far this season, which is other than the Rice game, which is not a bad thing. But uh, you want him to this time three uh, a month from now. You want you want to know that DJ Campbell is battle tested. You're not going to do that if you only play him 20, 25 snaps a game. And then we're going to follow that up with this comment from David Williams. He says, I think or I think both Kel Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones could be all Big 12 first team. I clearly do not know how good every starting tackle in the Big 12 is, but I doubt if there are any better than Banks and Jones. What do you all think? The young guy at, uh, that Jerry talked about, the OU offensive tackle that transferred from TCU, he's having a great year is what I'm told. So Guyton, I think his last name is, Jerry? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, so I agree with you. I don't know all of them, uh, but it would be rare for Texas to get two first-team offensive tackles, especially with Christian Jones not having that kind of MO going into the year. A lot of this is, you know, beauty contest. And then Heoli he Frioli boy, can this year's defense have a lower points per game allowed average than last year's? Yes. I mean, they're they're at fourteen point six seven right now. Um, I think last year's was at twenty one something, before, and so we're, we still got we still got uh, uh, the regular season to go. But you also add in the clock differential. Uh, that's where I was going, Bobby. I think I think the I think for sure because how our team's going to play against Texas. They don't – if you can't match talent for talent with teams, what are you going to do? You're going to use that clock 
rule to your advantage, right? You're going to try to choke that possession out. Um, you're going to try to keep Texas offense off the field. And now you have um, – there were ways you tried to do that before. Now the clock is your friend doing that. Um, so I, I think naturally, like, it was like we were talking about quarterback stats before the season. I mean, like, crazy numbers, 4,000 passing yards for Quinn and all that. There's with the clock change. There's just no chance that's happening. Not 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 Texas. I mean, uh, not the way teams are going to play Texas. You're going to see Baylor try to do a lot of the same things Wyoming did, and that plays into a defense's hands keeping the points per game low because they're playing keep away from the offense too. So I got to say this plays. I got to say this. That's what's happened in the last two years. By the way, Texas has gone from. Uh, Five and seven, we know what we're going to do against Texas to beat them. So now we got to execute perfectly to beat Texas. Yeah. That's a that's a big statement for Steve Sarkeesian, in my opinion, and where the program is. I mean, think about that. The Two years ago, Baylor was saying, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to dictate to Texas how we're going to do it. Now they're saying, okay, we got to play this way to compete with Texas or to beat Texas. That's a big difference mentally in just two short years. All right, guys, we got a super chat here that I'm going to ask y'all one more question after that, and then we will be out of here for today. And this is from Ismail Trujillo. We want to thank you, Ismail. He says, best Texas football info on YouTube. Hook them. Thanks, Ismail. We appreciate it. And then the final question for today from Burt Reynolds. I love his <laughs> avatar there. He says, if y'all's updated win-loss outlook for the Horns is 11-1, to which remaining opponent, not named OU, do you think is most likely to hand us that loss? I think there are two, Kansas and Kansas State. Kansas has the type of offense that can get on top of you. Kansas State has the overall team that can make it competitive the entire way. I, I think I think there's four games for Texas that'll that'll uh, um, tell the tell on the season record, assuming you know there's no awful hiccup like Saturday or something crazy or at Iowa State. It's at T I would add it at TCU to that as well. I keep forgetting about TCU for some reason, Jerry. Because because, because, because it's a road game. Yeah. I, would I think agree those four games are going to decide what your record is ultimately. Okay, guys. Well, Bobby, before we leave, as usual, can you tell everybody what to expect on On Texas Football today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming up, uh, Paul Wallington and I do the tale of the tape on Baylor. Uh, we go over wh where we think the Longhorns are strong and weak, potentially, uh, against the Bears. Uh, then we also have uh, uh, Rod and Ian uh, coming up with their, um, what is now becoming quickly famous, their football theory podcast, uh, talking about uh, the how Texas might attack the ba Dave Aranda defense as well. And then, of course, we're back tomorrow. We left a lot of questions unanswered today. Uh, Jerry's got to get going. I've got some stuff we got to do. Uh, so we will definitely be back tomorrow with another uh, coffee and football as well. Uh, I also want to mention, if you're not an Inside Texas subscriber, please consider one. Uh, it is right now we have a special two months for just $1, uh, 10 articles plus a day uh, on average. Uh, all the kind of comments and, and commentary you want on a message board that you can possibly uh, want. Go to uh, InsideTexas.com. Use promo code OTFIT23. Make sure you select the monthly offer uh, for the best deal possible. That's right. And as Bobby said, sorry, we did not get to all of them today, but we will be back tomorrow morning. I uh, want to thank all of you for tuning in. Of course, thank you for all the super chats. We want to thank Prize Picks for being our sponsor. And uh, as Bobby said as well, head on over to Inside Texas for all the latest and greatest news on Longhorns and recruiting and everything else. And, yeah, for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome.